Welcome to the Center for Grassland Studies. I'm your host, Margo McKendry, Program Coordinator for the Center. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Walt Schock, Interim Director for the Center for Grassland Studies at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Our topic is wet meadows in the Nebraska sand hills. Welcome, Dr. Schock. Thank you for taking time to speak with me. I'm happy to be with you, Margo. Thanks. To begin, what is a wet meadow and what is the natural history of wet meadows in the Nebraska sand hills? So wet meadows, very generally on a landscape, they're those low-lying areas that have a shallow water table. So the distance to the groundwater is at or near the soil surface during the growing uh, season. And so I commonly think of, especially in the sand hills, that these wet meadows are dominated by sub-irrigated and wetland ecological sites. So from a USDA, NRCS classifies or categorizes uh, different landscape positions uh, into ecological sites. And so these low-lying areas that are usually along streams or rivers or surrounding lakes, that these areas are sub-irrigated or uh, wetland site. So, you know, if you picture a grassland landscape, especially here in the Great Plains, we think of them being generally rolling hills. In between those different uh, sections of rolling hills, there are these low-lying areas. And, uh, and again, especially in the sand hills, which has the Ogallala Aquifer lying below it, the water table in these low-lying areas is very high. And again, in the sand hills, then about 10 to 15 percent of the surface area are, are wet meadows. And so you, you have a situation with uh, wet meadows being scattered at different points throughout the sand hills grassland. And so the wet meadows have a different topography, a different plant and animal composition because you're in a relatively wet environment, moist environment in that meadow, whereas the surrounding rolling hills, the uplands, are more semi-arid, and uh, therefore you have a totally different uh, set of species, both animal and plant. So on the landscape, the wet meadows add a lot of diversity because you have a different set of plant species as well as a different set of animal species within the wet meadows than what you find on the uplands. So from an ecosystem perspective, there's a lot of diversity uh, being added over the region as a whole. Why were wet meadows ditched or drained? With a wet meadow, with water at or near the soil surface during much of the growing season, um, access to those meadows was greatly reduced. And so the wet meadows commonly are very productive in terms of producing above ground vegetation. And in the case of the sand hills, where uh, the sand hills have been used for beef cattle production, the hay or the grass that was being produced on these meadows potentially were very valuable for a year-round forage production needed for extensive beef cattle production. So the early ranchers, early uh, Euro-Americans that moved into the sand hills, for instance, they saw this vast areas of grassland producing a lot of potential forage but they weren't able to access them well for haying purposes because any kind of heavy equipment moving out onto a sub-irrigated meadow or wetland uh, would get bogged down, stuck, um, because the equipment would sink into that uh, very wet conditions. 
And so the idea then was, especially after World War II, when there was a, a lot of uh, development of the ranching industry in, in the Sand Hills and other places, and development of machinery to cut and then put up grass for hay, there was a real move then to ditch meadows. And by uh, digging these ditches or canals through a meadow, there was then movement laterally or horizontally of water from these wet areas into that ditch or canal to run off the meadow and go downstream into uh, streams and rivers. And so the ditching was to drain the meadows as much as possible so that machinery as well as cattle then could get on the meadow with uh, moisture conditions much more conducive to haying and grazing. And so eventually most of the sub-irrigated meadows, the, most of the wet meadows in the sand hills were ditched and drained so that by July, uh, landowners could get out onto the meadows to uh, conduct haying. Now, you mentioned vegetation. Could you talk to us about what kind of vegetation there is in the meadows, please? Prior to the uh, ditching and prior to Euro-Americans moving into the sandhills in this case, the wet meadows are thought to have been uh, dominated by uh, warm season tall grasses, many of the same grass species as we find in tall grass prairie in the eastern Great Plains. So big blue stem switchgrass, Indian grass, as well as some others such as prairie cordgrass, along with the sedges and bulrushes and some uh, native forbs and woody plants. But then with the, the draining of these meadows and the ability then of landowners to be able to get out onto the meadows, say by early July, then became paid when the warm season grasses we're at a stage that they were sensitive to defoliation, sensitive to be cutting, to be cut at a two-inch height, four-inch height. That is the height that grasses are com commonly cut at when haying. And so this uh, reduced the vigor of the warm season grasses. And at about that same time, people were seeding or introducing exotic species, most of them being cool season grasses like the brome grasses and the Kentucky bluegrass and red top and timothy into these uh, meadows because uh, at that time they were seen as being very productive uh, grasses, forage grasses that were alternatives to the warm season grasses. And then there were a lot of exotic legumes like the clovers and birds with trefoil that were being introduced into these meadows as well as forage species. What happened then, we did have uh, most wet meadows likely were dominated by warm season tall grasses. And then with the ditching and more intensive use of these meadows with the idea of producing forages, the exotic cool season species were introduced uh, they were very well adapted to these moist conditions. And then the timing of haying was such it reduced the amount of warm season grasses because it was conducted at a time that uh, warm season grasses were sensitive to being defoliated. And the cool season grasses uh, were already mature or close to maturity and not affected by the uh, defoliation as much as the warm season. So currently, most of the wet meadows in the sand hills are dominated by cool season grasses and sedges. Okay, thank you. Now, what has been the significance of these meadows for livestock production in the sand hills? 
in the sand hills, we're in a you know middle latitude temperate climate. So um, we do have winters, and the winters are uh, can be severe in terms of temperature as well as the amount of snowfall. And so the growing season is conducive for production of a good amount of forage, uh, plant matter. So the production during the summer is high in grazing is is common and and relies entirely nearly entirely on grazing during the winter of course nothing uh, no plants are growing to speak of and so a source of forage is needed that can be uh, stored through the winter and fed to the animals during the winter so up until recently the hay meadows were used almost exclusively or these wet meadows were used almost exclusively for uh, producing hay to feed the cattle during during the winter. And then with haying occurring in July, well, late June into early August, there was time following haying for the grasses to regrow. Because remember, you have good growing conditions on meadows because the grass roots are never are either in groundwater or never far from groundwater. So production after haying, production of, of forage plants after haying is quite high as they continue to grow. So in the fall, after weaning of calves, cows are generally put back out onto the hay meadows to graze the new growth that occurred after haying back in July. Um, also, weaned calves uh, commonly are put on meadows because of the, in the fall because of the high-quality forage and, and that they can adapt to grazing and uh, gain weight relatively quickly. That's how the hay meadows, the wet meadows were commonly uh, used conventionally. And in some cases, in many cases, continue to be used primarily as a source of hay and fall grazing. Now, has meadow management or use changed over the last 50 years? So particularly in, I'd say, in the range livestock industry in general, but particularly in the sand hills, there has been a real push, real recognition that feed costs associated with beef cattle enterprises is probably the largest cost associated with raising uh, cattle on rangeland. And so there's been a, a real interest in diminishing production costs, especially associated with feeding cows. So this re- reduction, one way to do that uh, can be achieved is by reducing the amount of hay that's put up. And because putting up hay and feeding hay have a lot of costs, you know, you need the machinery, need the labor to go ahead and, and uh, put up the hay. And then, and then that hay needs to be stored and then it needs to be fed to cattle uh, during the winter. And uh, in many cases, the efficiency of feeding that hay is, is relatively low because a lot of hay is lost in the transport, the storage, in the feeding parts of getting cattle on hay during the winter. With a mentality that we need to or approach that we need to reduce production costs by reducing our feed bill, there has been a push to go ahead with increasing the amount of grazing that occurs. So instead of putting up hay, harvesting grass with machinery, and then storing it and then feeding it to cattle, why not just have the cattle graze it? And a second thing that's happening more in the last uh, 40 years is for cattle in the sand hills to be transported to surrounding areas that have corn. And so much more grazing corn residue 
burns double is happening now than 40 or 50 years ago because it has become a realistic source of summer feed, summer forage or roughage. So with those two things happening, with movement away from all the machinery and inputs required to harvest hay, finding other sources of winter forage, then hay has resulted in meadows being used, wet meadows being used more for grazing and other purposes than simply putting up as hay. Is management or use of these meadows likely to change in the future then? I think these, let's say the two primary approaches to harvesting that grass resource, that forage resource on on wet meadows is going to continue. There are going to be certainly some enterprises that continue to rely on meadows as its source of winter forage through hay, as well as, you know, all the way to the other end where that forage production on wet meadows is going to be used primarily through grazing or some combination of grazing and haying. But we're also seeing rangelands in the sand hills, ranch lands in the sand hills uh, being purchased and being used for other purposes. And of course, one of those is for providing uh, wildlife habitat. And so as landowners and future purchasers of rangeland in the Sandhills increases and those people's interests in purchasing uh, Sandhills rangeland differs from just or diversified away from just producing cattle, we'll probably see uh, meadows uh, having other uses. And of course, one, one of the principal things is to provide wildlife habitat. And so wet meadows may, because it does provide so much diversity on the landscape and because it, they are wet meadows, they have so much potential to be managed or manipulated in a, in a, to result in a number of different habitat types. So likely we could see more prescribed burning uh, used on meadows, seeding of native species, plant species on meadows to change the uh, species composition and habitat. We might see grazing used uh, uh, more diversely in terms of the intensity and frequency of grazing to affect the type of habitat that's available for wildlife. So the diversity of the meadow, wet meadows themselves is likely going to change over time as we move away uh, from using them for primarily or only as a hay source. Thank you for taking time to chat again. This has been very interesting, and I hope that our listeners uh, have learned a little bit more, too, about the topic. I will mention that Dr. Schock will be speaking more on the topic when he makes a presentation entitled Managing Sub-Irrigated Meadows as part of the Nebraska Grazing Conference taking place August 9, 10, and 11 in Kearney, Nebraska. To learn more about the conference or to register, go to grassland.unl.edu. Thank you for listening.